Hello, welcome to the Dear Writer podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. We're two aspiring collaborative authors sharing our writing journey with you. The ups, the downs, and everything in between. Whether you're just starting out or a more experienced writer, we hope that you'll find this podcast inspiring and thought-provoking. And here's the show. So, hi everyone. It's a beautiful a sunny afternoon in Calgary today. It's not sunny here. I'm actually in Tauranga today. It is pouring with rain and it's freezing cold. Uh, it, it was looking thunderstormy here, but let's not do a whole weather thing. <laughs> yeah, so how's your writing been going, Ashley? It wasn't great, but it's been a lot better last week. I've been rewriting a lot of The Price of Pandemonium, which if you guys follow our blog, you might know that's the second book in our series. We had a lot of comments from beta writers, uh, beta readers, sorry, and the like. So we've been trying to accommodate most of their suggestions, which has resulted in lots of new sections in the book, which is sometimes hard to fit in. And it's a bit slow as well. You're trying to like fit new sections into already existing sections and then make them flow but last week I finally finished so that was a great great moment for me and now Sarah has it so it's all up to her oh it should be less of a challenge I think now I think so too a lot of the hard bits done what was probably the hardest part for you do you think in the edits you've just done probably actually the start I had to rewrite the whole start which it was good because it's almost a clean slate so I could write whatever I wanted but then the follow-on effects of changing the entire beginning resulted in quite a lot of finicky changing for like 10 to 12 chapters after changing the start so it's probably the hardest bit I think oh what about you how's your writing been going well I also finished the third book that we've been editing which is Darkness Set Us Free. Again, if you follow our blog. It started off quite difficult, the editing, but it did get easier. It was our first edit through this book after we completed it during lockdown, right? Yes. So that did make it quite challenging to begin with. But then, as I said, you know, it started flowing a bit more and and it was just tidying little bits and pieces and finding those inconsistencies. Yeah, so I think I finished that a few days after Ashley finished. So we now have swapped them, and it seems to be quite good timing, really, considering they each had their own issues to work through. Yes, I'm really excited to read through Darkness Set Us Free now. I haven't actually read the entire manuscript from start to finish. I've only read it in individual chapters, sort of all not exactly in order because we didn't write them all sequentially. So I'm quite excited to see how the whole thing has come together after Sarah's been through it. It should be really, really good. It's quite a journey. <laughs> <laughs> I would say Emotional that. journey for the characters and a physical journey. <laughs> Very emotional. So I think at this point, we will move on to our main discussion, which is looking at the question, do you truly need a life experience to write well? Heavy topic. Yes. A lot of things (laughs) that we can talk about. The first thing I thought about when Sarah posed this question, when we were talking about doing this podcast, was about developing characters that seem realistic. I don't know how you all have found this, but like personally, I find that the characters Sarah and I created when we were teenagers 
are very are more one dimensional <laughs> than they are now. There's the funny one, the sad one, the fighting one, <laughs> the normal one, and like the weird one, which are fine, but there's no real depth to them. So I think getting older and meeting other people and learning more about people in general and how they work has helped us develop characters that are at least slightly more complex than they used to be. I don't know how what you think about that, Sarah. I do think that, like, certainly when you look at our first attempt at the novel, when we would have been sort of 14, 15, that is quite a bit different from our current attempt. And I think teenagers tend to be a little bit dramatic sometimes. And I'm not saying that in a bad way at all, because it does, as we all discussed, come with its good points as well. Um, but when you read some of our writing, it's almost to the point where it's absurd because everything's all or nothing, like die or... <laughs> <laughs> and they do these crazy stunts, and which is great, but I think you need to learn how to temper that in your writing. I think teenagers are learning how to sort of interpreting writing I think they do it quite well but then when I know that when I look back at what we've written it seems to be quite explosive I want to say <laughs> that makes sense they it's like this extremes of their emotions there's nothing sort of in between it's either I'm so terrified I can't move I'm gonna like stand in the corner while soldiers try kill everyone else or I'm the massive hero and I can like go around I can shoot everyone I don't feel anything afterwards and, you know, I think there are people out there, everyone's at a different stage of development, right? And not every teenager is going to do that in their writing. And maybe it's that we couldn't work out how to get our thoughts onto paper quite. And we, so we ended up over-dramatizing everything. Um. <laughs> Sorry, just thinking about some of the scenes that used to be in that book and it makes me laugh. So just so everyone's aware, there is a scene in... I think it's probably the second chapter, maybe, where they literally climb up onto the roof rafters and then they decide they've got to kill a soldier that's no longer in the book. So I can tell you all of this without giving anything away. <laughs> um, they decide they've got to kill the soldiers before they come up to them. And to do that, one of our characters gets the other to hold her legs, grabs a board with nails on it, not sure this is swings under <laughs> and hits the soldier with the board and the nails just as he comes up the rafter to get them. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. And wow, this is amazing to read. I'm really glad we kept the original one. Yeah. Um, I would say it's probably not realistic. <laughs> uh. But as people may or may not know, in my li other life where I'm not writing, I am a nurse. And in fact, at the moment, I'm currently studying a topic on childhood development, including adolescent development as well. So it's quite interesting to see where the majority of teenagers are at in their development and what sort of drawing comparisons to how we used to write versus how we write now, what it talks about children have 
what they call magical thinking, which isn't, you know, they expect everything to appear out of nowhere or some magic trick. But what it is, is that if they've done something wrong, then sometimes they can think that they're being punished for something that they've done because they think on more of like a concrete scale, which might not make a whole lot of sense. When it, but basically they think they see in concrete forms, but then they also have a whole heap of imagination. So what they don't understand and they don't know, they make up links for, and you still get the remnants of that in adolescence. And so I think that does partly contribute to how we used to write, if that makes any sense. Yes, it does make sense. It's actually quite interesting that we're able to sort of see evidence of our own, I guess, mental development from teenagers into adults just by reading our work. Yes. It's quite interesting and comparing it. I'm going to go on the other side of things. So the interesting part about this question, do you need life experience to write well, is that what we've been talking about is typically what everyone's first reaction is, is that no, you must have life experience, you must know people, you must go out there and you must do stuff. And there's always that sort of quote that gets thrown around in the writing world of write what you know, which to be honest, I think is a little bit ridiculous because otherwise we wouldn't even have (laughs) (laughs) sci-fi. Very good point. So, you know, there is that side of it. And I think when you're younger as well, you tend to be more imaginative and you don't immediately close off any idea because that in a young person's mind, that idea could work. Whereas in an adult mind, it can kind of work against you in the way that you're kind of boxing things in because you don't think it's realistic. And what do you think about that, Ashley? I tend to agree. I think... A lot of the things that we put into our book as teenagers, they've actually stayed because they're incredible. They're so uh, they're so out of the box and ridiculous. They have been uh, toned down a little bit and made slightly, I think more, more the characters have been made more realistic. So it feels their reactions to these things are a bit more realistic and relatable. But I do think that a lot of the stuff in our books wouldn't be as good if we had just dismissed them outright. I do think, though, that there's maybe something to be said about some of the things being less predictable when you're older. I think there might you can come up with a great idea um, as a teenager that works really well, but often that the result of it is predictable. Like, oh, no, this massive thing happened. And oh, look, they killed all the soldiers. Wow, that's so amazing. Whereas as an adult, you're able to sort of make these plot points and things that happen a little less predictable to the reader. I think that might be sort of the difference, maybe. I kind of think, I mean, I can see where you're coming from because you do have to sort of know how a plot is going to work in a way to keep the readers interested and then to still wind all the points up. But then I would say that in some ways, I think it's the opposite for me that I think it's almost less predictable because they come up with these insane ideas. (laughs) So you get these crazy plot twists in our first book, for example. You know, I really don't think we would have come up with those ideas (laughs) otherwise. So I think there's, there's that to it. But, you know, 
I think manipulating the plot and making it intricate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and just finding something that's going to wow everyone you get that a little bit more with experience of knowing like you know you watch a movie for example and then you get to the end and even if there's been a plot twist you kind of look at it and you say well I don't think it could have happened any other way and I think that's a trick of good writing Mm -hmm. is making it so that readers can't predict what's going to happen but then having them get to the end and realize that there couldn't have been any other way that things could have gone down. In our earlier writing, we weren't so good at that second part of like, yeah, we could write a plot twist that was totally insane, but then we couldn't bring that back so that the readers go, well, you know, like there's no other way that would have worked. Like the plot twist wasn't actually crucial to the plot kind of going forward yes yeah that makes sense so do you think that because of the way you write as a younger writer do you think it tends to be more suited towards readers of the same age do you think that you can write with a teenage mind for adult readers or vice versa or adults writing say young adults writing for old adults what do you reckon I think it becomes hard going back to the nursing perspective and again I might ruffle a few feathers with this (laughs) from a nursing perspective an adolescent is still trying to find their identity and they call it a return to egocentrism and that egocentric nature means that it's harder for them to put themselves out of where they are to get into that adult frame of mind but then on the other hand because that they're learning about themselves and they're trying to find out what their beliefs are they're trying to find out what their values are and what means something to them and what matters to them they are possibly better suited in some respects for getting to the heart of some issues because they're still trying to find them themselves yeah yeah and adults are have worked all that out and they've gone through that and some adults forget it some (laughs) keep it (laughs) you know some never get to that self-identifying phase at all so (laughs) you know it, it does depend on the individual too I think it would definitely be easier to write for an age group younger than you just because you've been there you know the mindset and you've probably also read a lot of that work so you can write up to that level I don't know about writing older I just don't know like I don't know if I could could I convincingly write a story about older older people I don't know I don't know if I have the right mentality I don't know it's a very interesting question it is an interesting question and for me I think it would be tricky for Mm -hmm. sure but I don't think it would be impossible. I, th- I think it might be hard if the like older character was my main character. I feel like I could do it if they're like a supporting character where if I am not 100% accurate on their mindset or whatnot, it doesn't matter as much. But I don't know if I could convincingly do 
<laughs> do one for an entire novel I don't know it's interesting so then it brings into question points of view right mm. could you do it in third person but then not first person <laughs> <laughs> well that's a good point because we write all our books in first person so that might be part of the reason I'm questioning it <laughs> Oh, the one that we're about to attempt next is third person, which is an <laughs> yes. interesting change. It will be an interesting change. And no more teenagers either, so. I think, though, it comes down to as well what I said before, is that, I mean, on the one hand, as an adolescent, you have, you're exploring all these issues. And sometimes when you're an adult, it closes you off to the other person's viewpoint because you're kind of stuck in your own like you've already developed your own set of values, your own beliefs, and you're like, no, <laughs> you can't tell me that because that is not what I believe, no. But I think that knowing yourself as well means that if you have a defined reference of your frame of mind and your beliefs, that you can easier step out of that mm -hmm. and differentiate your character versus yourself, which I think would make that easier to do possibly writing older I'm not, <laughs> not entirely sure I've never tried it <laughs> I know for I think I don't know for you but definitely for me as a teenager writing I could not convincingly have pulled off adult fiction there's absolutely no way <laughs> no I don't think I could either <laughs> no way <laughs> I'm not sure whether it's possible or not I know that personally I couldn't have done it but it's an I interesting it. <laughs> thought I think hopefully I'm sure some of you guys listening are definitely better writers than we were. So this could be totally different for you. You guys could be absolutely 100% confident in pulling off adult fiction and good on you because that's a real feat, I think. Yeah. I always remember the likes of, I probably ain't going to say his name absolutely awfully, but Christopher Paolini, <laughs> um, who wrote the Aragon series. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was always amazed. He wrote that when he was 16, right? Which to me is mind-blowing because it was a really good book, at least as I remember it being. And it must have been because it got made into a movie, so it can't have been <laughs> that terrible. <laughs> I've, I've never read them. James, um, my husband, has read them, though, and he, as a teenager absolutely love them as well yeah, they were very good i have not looked back at them as an adult though so yeah, me neither <laughs> that could be interesting <laughs> i just know as a teenager i was just totally enthralled <laughs> so, who doesn't love dragons come on i know right <laughs> he wrote like a set of three of them and each of the books were hugely massive massive, <laughs> massive books it's impressive they were just that long <laughs> he must have made his fortune yeah <laughs> through those series very early in his life it's quite impressive it is impressive for most of us you know we struggle on <laughs> <laughs> still struggle on as adults <laughs> better though definitely better writers than we were i can confidently say that yes so do you have anything else to add to this discussion ashley um well on what i mo literally just said i think you definitely with practice naturally get better anyways yes so I think even if as a teenager you're not your writing is not great or even even if it is great you're just going to get better with more practice and learning how to do different plot mechanics and making good characters and dialogue so I think regardless it's hard to talk about whether you can write well when you're as a young person because you're I think always going to be able to write better as you get older yeah that's the aim <laughs> so 
Yeah, and I would agree with that. You know, you're always pushing yourself to be better and I'm sure that great writers would agree with that. I'd hope so. You, know, <laughs> you never want to be worse with your next work. <laughs> so if you're great when you start out, well, good on you. You're going to find it harder to top it. <laughs> <laughs> I, even, I even notice it from like writing recently over the past I don't know, 18 months or however long we've been writing again from book to oh, book yes. <laughs> our writing gets better and better and better so we'll like finish finish the book and I'll go back and I'm like no I feel like I need to rewrite all of this again like I'm so much better than I was three months ago it's getting there though we're getting to a point where the I think the gains we make as writers are not as pronounced anymore so when I look back now it's it all seems good so it's okay yeah I would say that because you know when we first started doing this we weren't even writing chapter after chapter like we were sort of editing previous writing that we'd done and so editing darkness set us free for me was I had all the tools in the belt now I didn't have to work out what should I be deleting attributions should I be um I had already kind of worked through that process through editing the last book. So it was a lot easier and I had a process to follow rather than last time when I just sort of looked at it and I was like, all right, where do I start? <laughs> you know, this chapter's terrible. We'll start here and then you fix it and then it becomes great. And then you're reading through it and you're like, oh, that chapter that was good before. Um, it's now the weak point. <laughs> so rewrite that one. <laughs> if you ever look at our blog we do the edits and then you get to a next blog several months later and it's like I'm now editing it again <laughs> <laughs> which yeah you know it never ends so I think what we'll do now is move on to our next section uh, mistakes of the month would you think it's time oh. for that Ashley <laughs> yes I'm very excited about this so I had this idea because I thought, you know, as we're developing as writers, you know, you come across the most ridiculous mistakes in your writing and a lot of people don't get to see them when it, you're reading, right? Like you come across these polished works and it's like, how the heck am I ever going to be that great? <laughs> so I thought what we'll do is every month we'll share some of the mistakes that we've come across. It's a little bit geekish, so sorry in advance. <laughs> but these are the things that give us laughs as we're as we're editing and as we're writing. Yes. Do you want to start, Ashley? Sure. So I was going through, actually I was rewriting a section in Price of Pandemonium and I went back to read over it and I was like, yeah, this is really good. And I'm reading through, I was like, it's flowing really well. It features one of our characters, Lizzie. She can be a bit feisty. And so it's in a moment when she's meant to be being feisty and she's meant to be talking about how she hides the bitterness in her voice, except I had mistyped it as butterness. So it came off as some sort of like really weird, I don't know, it had like this weird sort of sexual element to it and it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't supposed to and it was totally out of context. I was just laughing. I sat at my computer, I was like crying with laughter. I'm like, oh my gosh. If I had left this in here, it, it would have actually ruined the entire piece, but uh, I found it and it's great. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. Especially knowing Lizzie, you know, this character, <laughs> as Ashley said, she's very feisty, but then I think she's a little bit flirty every now and then too. <laughs> yes, so Occasionally, yeah. 
think it makes it funnier. It does. I also had an issue with Lizzie. <laughs> she. Yeah, Lizzie. <laughs> so I got to the scene where she's talking to this other character, and to start with, she jumps up onto the bench, the countertop that she's standing beside, and she's talking to this character, and then within the next few sentences, she's suddenly looking up at the other character and they go on to have this discussion and she is suddenly standing sort of in front of him. And occasionally you come across these weird uh, instances of magical teleportation acts. (laughs) But I had an issue with this. I mean, it wasn't super hilarious. I kind of gave a bit of a giggle because you read through and you're like well that's not really how it was intended (laughs) that's a strange image in my mind especially because that what they were talking about and what they were doing in the scene kind of meant that if she stayed on the the countertop like it just wasn't going to work and so I'm imagining this happening with her on the countertop and I'm like no (laughs) you're like it's weird it can't happen this way (laughs) I had like this really I was very conflicted about it because I quite liked the way she casually just jumped up onto the counter and but then I couldn't get her down off the counter in time for her to have the interaction with this other character so in the end I gave up and I just made her stand beside him but (laughs) for a little bit there I was just like darn it (laughs) I love magic teleportation acts they're great Jess did it once too in the price of pandemonium. <laughs> did she? It took that out before you got a hold of it. <laughs> That's funny. We've had people go into cars and then come out because there were so many of them. They went into two cars, except then when they got out the car, they were in different cars. Like they they did like this magical swap. It's obviously someone's edited it. <laughs> I don't think I think it was just it's You're just like- it was between chapters. This is also a danger of writing collaboratively, I would say. <laughs> One of us probably was writing the, yeah, writing the other chapter. My favourite <sighs> car incident that I found was the clown car in When the Rain Falls. So they're riding in a taxi and seven characters get out of the back. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, maybe it's a van. Like, how are they all fitting in there? And I was like, they're not going to have a van in wherever these characters are like, there's not going to be like a van going down the street so it's just I was like oh dear so there's it's different now it's different now but I, I didn't catch that till really really late and I was like, we all jumped out of the cab and I'm like wait what there's seven of you or six of you how how are you all getting out of the back seat seven of them plus the driver presumably <laughs> which would fit in like one of those vans isn't it like eight, is it eight seats or more or nine seats or more that it becomes a oh, bus? Oh, I'm, sh- I'm not sure. <laughs> I think it might be nine or more seats. You have to have like a bus license or something. <laughs> Getting close. Did you have any other mistakes or that you would like to mention in the month? Sure. So we have another character in Price of Pandemonium. His name is Knox and he, I don't really like him. And it's meant, we're not supposed to like him. Let's put it that way in the book. And for some inexplicable reason, when Knox is being particularly annoying uh, in a chapter, I have this tendency to call him Noz. 
like K-N-O-Z, and I don't know why I do it. And it's come to the point where I'll find Noz written like randomly in other sections that I've like edited and I've missed. And I was like, how am I writing Noz? And even when I was writing the notes for this show, I also wrote, I can read you what it says. I wrote Noz versus Noz. And then I wrote, oops, supposed to be Nox. I even did it while writing the sentence, which is hilarious. I don't know why I do it. And even when I try and purposely write Nox, I also write Noz. So the number of times I found that mistake, I almost want to search it just to make sure I got all of them. Um, like the solider so yes. soldier. Yes. <laughs> solider soldier, yes. Or shoulder soldier. That one comes <laughs> up a lot too. <laughs> but you know what else you have done recently that I just oh, came no. across? What did I do? Hamzen and Tasman. <laughs> you started calling Oh, them. no. and <laughs> Tasman, which I can understand because it kind of sounds like Jasmine and or like Tasmania. I, that one, no, her name's Tansen. It might be a typing thing. Maybe. And then it looks yeah. the same. I don't know. That's hilarious. I love right, it. I fix it all. <laughs> I probably do stuff like that too. So the other thing that I had was occasionally you change like sentences on a really sort of minor level. You just change like one tiny thing and then it has implications like further on in the chapter. And one of them was one of our characters ripped off half his shirt to stop bleeding in a sort of minor character. And because I know from experience, like how stressed you get under that kind of pressure when someone's like bleeding out because I actually, you know, have experienced that nursing. I was like, nah, that's not very realistic because it would probably just be easier for him to whip off his whole shirt. So I did that, changed that. And then later on, I came up with this other sentence that said, I remembered half my shirt was missing, which is a hilarious sentence on its own. But then I had to change it to, I remembered my shirt was missing. And it just made it even more weird. <laughs> I decided to leave it in there for now because I was like, well, it's true. His shirt is missing. <laughs> Oh, and the one other thing that I would mention was I came across a sentence that said, I can't remember the character's name. It was another minor character, but someone so looked sideways at me. And I don't know whether I was being too picky on this because I'm not entirely sure on the rules. Like, I feel like you can give someone a sideways look, but then you can't look sideways at someone because then I get this vision of this owl with its head <laughs> tilted on the side. <laughs> And then I started thinking, well, maybe that's why sidelong exists, the word. <laughs> <laughs> and so now it's the sidelong glance. But yeah, these kind of things when you're editing, they just begin to drive you nuts. And after a while, you can't read anything without it being literal. So yeah, that's what I've got to say about that. You can maybe have a sideways look at someone. I'm not sure about whether you can look at someone sideways. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Unless they're being sideways, maybe. <laughs> Unless they're like hanging off the wall. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> so anything to add to this discussion, Ashley? I could add my... So we have another character. I found a lot this month. Another character, <laughs> Dylan. One of our characters, Dylan, he it's from his perspective and he's meant to be talking about something like I said something to myself, except 
I'd ex somewhat, well, it's probably me, accidentally had put a space between my and self. And not only that, I had then missed out the S. So it ends up being, I said to my elf, which was amazing. Because <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, yes. Dylan has like an imaginary elf friend that he talks to randomly. <laughs> oh my lord. <laughs> that one was really good. I found it, I was, I was like crying. I had to go uh, tell James. I was like, oh my god, look at this mistake I just found. I said to my elf. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. It's really good. I had a dream about an elf once. <laughs> just, just honest. Well, actually, I think it was a dwarf. I accidentally um, hit them, and they fell over and broke into pieces. Oh no! That's so- <laughs> it was a long time ago. That one was a little garden gnome. It was when we were like first writing. I get these really strange dreams from writing series. Not that we have a dwarf in our series or an elf, <laughs> but. Yeah, it was very strange. We were just walking from like class because this was back when we were in high school. <laughs> I like that you've remembered this dream. Clearly, <laughs> the weird ones stick with you. <laughs> I actually started a dream diary because it, the one, the funny ones are just too hilarious. And when I was before getting married, I had all these weird marriage dreams, so I put them down <laughs> in a diary. But yeah, anyways, <clears throat> getting off topic as per usual. Um, yes. I think we should probably wrap this up. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, I guess next time on Dear Writer, we are going to be exploring the question, is there such a thing as too much research? It's going to be very interesting. Yes. I have a lot to say. I am a researcher by, <laughs> you know, trade, so... The ironic thing is I might need to do some research about <laughs> Me too. whether you can do too much research. I kind of have my ideas on it, but I, I think it might need a bit more substance behind it. Yeah. I'd like to sort of try and work out everyone else's thoughts as well, and we can have a chat about it. Should be really good. Anyways, I hope you all enjoyed today's podcast. If you want to know more about us or our writing projects, we have a blog. You can visit us at lindersoncreations.com. We also have a bunch of social media. We have Facebook, Instagram, I think both under Linderson Creations. So yep. reach out, let us know what you think. If you have any questions, or maybe you have a mistake of the month you want to share. Yes, we would love to hear other people's mistakes rather than laughing at our own all the time. You know, you can do it anonymously. No one's judging here. (laughs) Safe space. Yes, Um, we're totally happy to have a chat with people about their works. And if you want to reach out to us, feel free to get a hold of us on our website at lindersoncreations.com under the contact us section. It will go straight to our email and we check it very regularly. So yeah, until next time. Yes. Happy writing, everyone.